Welcome to the new and improved, but mostly sane, Midwest Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. Today we've got some patch notes, retro recall, and what you've been playing. But before we get to all of that, if you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGamers.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. The Patreon is uh, meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to JSK, Tom Z, David O, Alan K, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call side quests. Side quests are where we veer off the outside of the realm of video games and food, beverage, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon for those episodes on a weekly uh, basis or whatever. Yeah, right? Weekly. Bi-weekly. Yeah, bi-weekly. That's what I meant to say. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGamers at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We have feedback we're going to go over today, too. But before we do that, Alex, what is going on with the network? The Horror Movie Yearbook Boys have an episode out right now where they go over the Werewolf by Night trailer, which is the Marvel Halloween Disney Plus special. Uh, trailer just came out at uh, D23. They also talk about Shudder's 101 Scariest Movie Moments. And then they go over what they've been watching, which includes apparently Hoarders, Cobra Kai, 13 Fanboy, What We Do in the Shadows, and Batman. And Harley Quinn. So, give that a listen. It's out now. Uh, and it's great. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. so we got some feedback. From our homeboy, Lanzio, who's actually a homeboy. Like, he literally is from around these parts, which is yes. pretty cool. Uh, he says, his hey there, guys. is. Just kidding. Yeah, re- read his address off for everybody. <laughs> We're gonna Thank you for him. trusting us with your address. <laughs> also, here it is forever. No, I'm just kidding. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, hey there, guys. I hear many people saying that 2023 will have more big releases and that this was a slow year in games. I kind of see where they're coming from, but this was absolutely my favorite slash the best year ever for games. I made my case for 2022 by mentioning all the deals, hardware, and games that make it so great before getting to my questions for the crew. Hardware deals. I got an unbelievable deal on a laptop with 2070 plus, and I finally got my pre-order Steam Deck priced before inflation. If you add my Switch and new 3DS XL, which I still use, I feel like hardware has never been better. Not to mention the deals. With 4,000 series cards announced and the crypto boom over, NVIDIA 3,000 series graphic cards are the best prices ever. I just might build a new PC. Also, the free games available between Epic, Twitch Gaming, Free with Prime, GOG, and Steam have never been better. Personal favorite games of 2022, Elden Ring, Rogue Legacy 2, Vampire Survivors, Kirby, Pokemon Arceus, Cursed to to Golf, Multiverses, Infernax, Infernax with an N, not an M, sorry. Death Stranding, Director's Cut, he's counting it, is what he says here. Lego Star Wars, Chrono Cross, Radical Dreamers, Risk of Rain 2, Survivors of the Void Expansion, I'm counting it. TMNT, Shredder's Revenge, Fall Guys went free this year. Tinykin, Temtem 1.0, Mario, Rabid Sparks of Hope, which comes out in October. Oxenfree 2 has a December release. Far Changing Tides, which he says he has not played yet, but he loves the first game in the series. So his question is... How do the Midwest Game Nerds feel about 2022 as a year for games and hardware coming out of your summer pause? And he gave us a link uh, to the games here. So let's start with that first question. How do we feel about 2022 for games and hardware? I think it's undeniable it's a good year for games with something like Elden Ring and Horizon hitting in the same like month is incredible. Like I don't think it goes. It's hard to get a lot better than that. 
Mm-hmm. But I think there's also potentially some recency bias. I have a he has a follow up question about other good years, and I, I have a few uh, things that I can I can kind of point to. But no, I mean, yeah, Pokemon Arceus was also awesome. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think about Tunic. This is the year that Tunic mm-hmm. came out. I obviously love Tunic, so no, it's it's undeniably one of the greatest years in video games in recent history, for sure, in my opinion. Return to Monkey Island. Well, there you go. Another one <laughs> that we'll talk about in a bit, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think like some people may say that it seemed like a slow year, and I could see that being the case, seeing as Elden Ring kind of dominated the whole year and is still to this day. Like, I feel like you're always hearing about Elden ring. It's, Mm -hmm. it comes up daily on Reddit. Um, so it kind of overshadows a lot of the other stuff, which is crazy to think that one game is so powerful, but the same could be said about Skyrim did the same thing when it came out. It literally dominated. You had people who had never played a first person RPG or an RPG for that matter, playing Skyrim and talking about it. Um, there are a few games here and there that kind of like transcend that, uh, that just, just gamer, gamer sin game. What am I looking? What's the word I'm looking for? Like gamer centric world. They just are far beyond the scope of what we're used to. In terms Stray of blew up the cat yeah. game on, on PC and PlayStation was like huge into like people who love cats, but don't necessarily play video games, you know? Yeah. And they so, just wanted to, they wanted to live their life as a cat in a cyberpunk world. And then yeah. uh, I think cyberpunk now has dominated the charts on um, Steam lately, at least in the past week since they released 1.6 and, and, and the anime that came out, the edge runners anime has brought people into the cyberpunk universe that never even thought of playing cyberpunk, but they saw a really dope anime on Netflix. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. so there are certain instances of specific games overshadowing things to where we might think that it's been a slow year, quote unquote, but it really hasn't. There's been a lot of awesome games that came out this year. And I think there's I, been... just the again the amount of time I invested in Vampire Survivors is stupid. Like <laughs> for as much as I, I got, I got like. I got enough playtime out of that game for like 40 different people to like, if I would have paid for it, you know, that many times over. So <laughs> I think there's, it's just been these weird periods of silence and everything hitting all at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's been like a, re- there was like a really stacked close to the end of first quarter um, in like February, March time frame. You know, there's just these weird bursts of things coming out. And I assume, you know, November is going to be pretty crazy. October, um, some of the stuff that he had mentioned, but like there's two, there's another Pokemon game coming out that is, it's traditional Pokemon in scope, but Arceus type gameplay the Pokemon Violet and, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to think of what the other color is. Pokemon Violet and Scarlet are the two that are coming out. And that's in, um, that's November 18th. Uh, so you've got Overwatch 2 coming out in October. Yeah, Overwatch 2 is coming out in just a couple weeks. Um, You've got No Man's Sky hitting Switch, which is opening up No Man's Sky to an entirely new platform of Mm -hmm. people who are going to want to play it. You know, that's going to be huge. So, Um, you know, there's there's a lot that seems to still be uh, coming and, uh, you know, things are getting delayed here and there. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is coming in December. There's a lot of different stuff that, you know, I'm still excited for. And I think it's only going to make, you know... 2022 even more impressive i'm sure there's things that we haven't even heard of that are going to pop up on like game pass and whatnot that are 
probably gonna, you know, yeah, I mean, no, interest. November is like super stacked. Just looking at it, you've mm-hmm. got Skull and Bones, you've got God of War, you've got Tactics Ogre Reborn, you've got Call of Duty Warzone 2.0, Goat Simulator 3 for I Brian. keep even forgetting God of War Ragnarok is even coming out this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. That's, and you've that's got another another, another Warhammer game. game coming out at the end of November. Like we need more Warhammer games, apparently. But yeah, I think there's been a Warhammer game every month since uh, since know. like 1999, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, there's there there are a lot of and oh what was it? oh I forgot yeah the Dark Pictures anthology the Devil and Me is coming out November 18th. Oh, like, another Dark Pictures game, and they awesome. had the Quarry out earlier this year, so they yeah. put out two games, and that's nuts. Um, so this year has been crazy and still has plenty of room to continue being crazy. And yep. then leading into the beginning of next year, like we have so much to look forward to in gaming. I don't know where I'm ever going to find the time and There's energy to do. There's not I'm just, well, Lanzia, we're going to have to like bring you on to talk about the games. Cause like we're running out of, <laughs> we're running out of time and energy, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a new Zelda that, that got, the release date was announced for May of next year. So I think 2023 might also be another amazing year for video games. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much that got pushed out of this year that, you know, Starfield. it's yeah. Starfield that's spreading the wealth and that's cool. I'm down for it. Um, but no, there this in this other he asked a couple follow ups, one of which was what are our phases of twenty twenty two? We talked about that. If not twenty twenty two, what are the best years for games in your personal opinion? There were two that came up for me that I could think of off the top of my head. Uh one of them is two thousand seven, where you have such games as Bioshock, Super Mario Galaxy, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare. Crisis, Portal, Assassin's Creed, Uncharted, The Witcher, Halo Three, Team Fortress Two, Mass Effect, uh, Guitar Hero Three, Rock Band, uh, Half Life Two, Episode Two, Metroid Prime Three. That's an insane number of games. I mean, that's, that's literally like every like that is like every college dorm room dream year of video <laughs> gaming. Like, well, and then on top of that, if you go to 2010, which is a few more years into the Xbox and PlayStation, Xbox 360, PlayStation Three, uh, uh, life cycle. 2010, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Call of Duty Black Ops, God of War 3, Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, Halo Reach, Alan Wake, StarCraft 2, Final Fantasy 14, which was terrible at the beginning, but now people love it, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction, Limbo, Heavy Rain, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Bioshock 2, Fable 3, Fallout New Vegas, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, Darksiders, there's Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, which was Metal Gear Solid 5 at the time, like that's, you know insane there's every once in a while you get a year where there's just a lot of stuff that hits in that year and it's a good year for video games and uh 2022 i think is one that we'll remember for a long time too but if uh people want to write in tell us what you think the best year in video games is i would love to know what people think uh what what's your personal best year in video games because i'm sure if we go back there's probably some that are even more insane like when you realize that like uh, Blade Runner and Tron came out in the same summer, and like a bunch of other, like you know, if you look if you look far enough back, there's probably some stuff that's you wouldn't even realize that it all came out at the same time. So, mm-hmm. well, like you don't even have to think that far back. You could just think back, like whatever. Well, I guess it is far back now, but but you know, within ten years, mm-hmm. you know, the release of the PS4 
and the Xbox One, and then you've got like what Destiny and The Witcher Three came out in the same time frame, and then you've got uh, the first Dying Light came out within that same time frame. Within within months of each other, these things were like all they all kind of came around the same period of time, like twenty thirteen fourteen. Let's Maybe. see, 2014 in video games. Dark Souls 2, Bayonetta 2, Destiny, Dragon Age Inquisition, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, Far Cry 3, Alien Isolation, Shovel Knight, Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, The Last of Us Remaster. Like, there's, yeah, there's, when you look at the greatest hits of any year, it's, you know. I, yeah, and then, I, and then just think of how many of those have become cult classics over time too. Like yeah. they maybe didn't have the biggest long. Like who I I don't know anything about Bayonetta, but apparently all the weebs love it. So yeah, people love Bayonetta. <laughs> Divinity Original Sin came out 2014. Mario Kart 8 first released in 2014 for the Wii U. Um, and they're still milking that game. Oh yeah, that game is still <laughs> on the top of the NPD charts for the Switch. It's insane. Crazy. It's nuts. Watch Dogs is 2014. Infamous Second Son. Diablo Diablo 3 2014 so you know yeah it's crazy I we should just go down the line <laughs> what's what came out in 2015 yeah that's we, Witcher we'll 3 just, we'll do Witcher, let's let's save it for an episode where we do like a like a decade's worth of like these are all the amazing games that came out in the last decade <laughs> yeah. and then like everybody's just gonna like shit their pants over like how amazing like all these games were I really want to know what other people think like what what is what stands out in your mind of a particularly good year in video games I think that would be interesting if people want to write in you don't have to do the legwork just tell me like the couple that you really liked and the year and then I'll pull it up and run through the list because I just try to think of like what period of time where was I like fully engaged in gaming like to the point where it's all I thought about when I was at work and then when I got home from work I played video games until I went to bed and the only thing I can think about is like destiny and the division and like all of those those games that like literally just suck every ounce of time out of your life and like how I can never go back to that and it kind of makes me sad (laughs) (laughs) I don't know man maybe we'll be in our like 70s and we'll be playing the PlayStation 35 and we're like oh I gotta hop on and do my dailies and Destiny 72 I had to sign up for PlayStation plus 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 to play these super retro games from the 2020s (laughs) we'll finally do uh, the rest of the Destiny raids and I'll finally do a single raid in the division that I've never done there you go. Because they'll bring back the Division Classic, and I'll have to pay extra for the <laughs> server access, you know? Everybody, on a Some long enough timeline, like everything that. becomes World of Warcraft, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, if they made it so it's like, you had to have played the original to get access to the Classic, and then I have my Ubisoft account that says, oh yeah, he has some original Division DNA in here, so we better let him in. Like, There you go. There you go. That's the that's the exclusivity I'm looking for as a uh, devoted division <laughs> player. If you played this game 30 years ago, you can play. Yeah, a, w- and a you classic. had to have a minimum of 60 to 80 hours to like get in there. You know. There you go. Well, Lanzio, thank so. you for writing in. Yeah, thanks, man. We that was a great email. Appreciate it. He also appreciate- sent us some kind words about our reformatting, uh, and I, I greatly appreciate the feedback on that. Absolutely, stuff. we're gonna send you a T-shirt. It'll be a network shirt, but I'll send you some game nerd swag too. So I've there got go. some stuff to send out to you, man. So cool. we'll get that out to you ASAP. Here, appreciate me, the, uh, uh, the feedback. Touch on his other point about the hardware too. It's definitely been a great year with the Steam Deck coming out. Um, oh, the Steam Deck has dominated. 
Yeah, I, that's I, true. Did you guys see that? I, I posted that link where pe- people are making their custom launch screens for the Steam Deck, and there's like a Fraser one, and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and the Breaking Bad one, and it says like Steam Deck with the Breaking Bad theme, and it has yeah. like the, the periodic table elements, and <laughs> the no. Fraser one's funny as hell because it does the Seattle skyline line drawing, and then it says, <laughs> it's, it says Steam Deck in the Fraser font. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we're in a weird time for graphics cards. The fact that like the floor fell out due to crypto. Uh, it's very interesting and seeing that there's a announcement this past week that the 4,000 series card, the 3090 is going to, or 4090 is going to be 1600 bucks. How long is that going to stick? Cause they've been selling those 3090, 3090 TIs for like $1,100 recently. And it's like, are you guys really yeah. going to be able to sell that 4090 for 1600 bucks? Well, do we want to? How so. do we? Do we want to segue into my seg, my first segment here? We'll do that. Let me play the bumper for. All right, play the bumper. Notes. Patch notes. Do it. And now, patch notes with John, Brian, and Alex. <laughs> this, a, this just there, in. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. There's a. It's a long tale, so you can just start with your your story. Yeah. There, so. Uh, so my first uh, news item. So patch notes uh, to explain is uh, recent happenings in the world of gaming, uh, updates in the world of gaming, things like that of that nature. That is the the point of this particular segment. And the first thing we're going to dive into now is Nvidia did announce their RTX 4000 series cards this week, uh, with some pretty drastic changes to the pricing as well as some exclusivity for specifically the DLSS three. Uh, the, for those who don't know, DLSS is... Uh, what's the best way to explain that? It is the AI um, ability of the graphics cards to create create its own frames. Yeah, uh, it is It is basically... Uh, it allows your computer to render the game at a lower resolution. And then DLSS uses machine learning to basically make those frames at a higher resolution and a greater number than your your computer would be able to do if you were running it at a native resolution. So you run the game at, say, 1080p. DLSS allows you to see it at 4K because they've very specifically fed the game into this algorithm to create higher resolution and more frames from kind of your lower resolution render. So, Brian, are you laughing because you can still hear the music playing in the background? Absolutely. It's going to keep going. We're in the <laughs> it's news awesome. Segment. It's so um, good. I love it. Yes. So um, DLSS. Okay, so, so basically, with this, uh, NVIDIA said that it's not going to work on the 3000 series cards. Like, the new version of DLSS isn't going to work on the 3000 series cards. It's not programmed to work that way um, for whatever reason. It's so uh, they can in, sell new cards. That's, so they can sell the new reason, cards. Let's face it. At, at, a, at a higher price point. And uh, as an NVIDIA shareholder, I am d- extremely disappointed in the performance of their shares currently. <laughs> and I think this was a fucking terrible move on their part. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so they, they are saying that there's something about the new Tensor cores uh, that are on the new die, the Ada Lovelace uh, uh, processing chip, um, codename Ada Lovelace, Uh that makes it so that DLSS three will not work on the older generations, but you know, there's been a lot of kind of hemming and hawing, and you know, what are they locking their uh, their cards, their special features to these newer cards? How how are they kind of locking people out of it in order to sell more cards? Which is, you know, I can't pretend to know enough about 
how this stuff works to understand if DLSS three would actually run on say uh, a thirty eighty particularly well, but it's well, in the, it doesn't in the feel article, good. In the article, it says um, it says on the contrary, owners of Ampere or Turing cards would most likely experience laggy gameplay and bad bad image fidelity. Like it's not going to have offer the same benefits. Yeah, no. I think uh, uh, the so this is an article from Tom's Hardware written by Jared Walton. It says Ada Lovelace and or no, excuse me, I'm looking up the different one. This is the uh, Zie Lu wrote Nvidia DLSS three only works with G, G, uh, GeForce RTX forty series GPUs for now. For now, <laughs> so uh, until the, they've sold enough. The, yeah, the VP like, well, of Applied Deep Learning Research at Nvidia answered the question on Twitter. Twitter, 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 nice. confirming that DLSS three in its current state only works on the GeForce forty series graphics cards, which very much sounds like eventually we will get this to a place where it runs well on the older cards. But you know, but in all reality, are they going to? Probably not until, like Brian said, until they sell enough cards. Maybe, you know. I mean, to to speak to the the point here, uh, Nvidia released a bar chart that is really not that helpful at all. But it shows like how much is your performance multiplied in these particular games using DLSS. And they say with Microsoft Flight Simulator, your your performance is uh, doubled. If you use DLSS, which in reality, what does that mean? There's so many like settings and things that you could change in order to get different performance. Who knows? But like, that's a very graphically intense game. And if you could use DLSS to make it look even better, that would be great. But you know, it's, it's just interesting to me that like, we've gotten to the point where native 4k isn't really the thing that everybody's shooting for it seems to not even be possible in a lot of cases at these higher frame rates that people want you know right we have to use something like dlss which employs machine learning to get to 4k 120 frames per second in these video games or 8k 60 frames per second in some cases which i think is something that they did show in their presentation so it's it's kind of strange to me that that's kind of we're like topped out or they're you know i don't know if they're just like the software of dlss is allowing them to save money on the processors because they don't have to make them as bulky to get the higher graphics like that i guess is maybe the reality of where we're going towards but um yeah it's it's interesting i mean i guess it's like the the technology itself like the hardware part of it isn't They've kind of reached peak hardware, and now it's all about altering the software to optimize the efficiency of the hardware, I guess, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, we talk about this Lovelace die is on the 4 nanometer process. Uh, Like, you can only get so small with, like, current technology, right? And so the smaller and smaller that they get with these things, you know, there's only so far that they can go. You can only cram in so many physical processors on a die that stretching the performance of the card using machine learning is probably what you need to do to to stay competitive and to keep you know churning out oh we have double the performance of the 3090 on a new 4090 um but yeah i don't know i don't see myself buying a 4000 series card because i just number one i'm not playing my pc enough and number two like (laughs) 
I still like I don't know what the 4090 looks like running control at full ray tracing at 4K. Can it do 4K 60 or not? That's the real question. Native. I just want to know natively. Like I can hit that with my DLSS on my 3080 if I really want to. But like if we're not going to natively get there, then it's kind of like, well, maybe I'll wait for DLSS 3 to get released on my card later on cuz it's mostly software. I'm always I mean, like a every other generation kind of yeah. person. Yeah, so like absolutely. The, when the when the five thousands drop in 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 six months, I'll be like, okay, like I guess I'll spend money on that. It's like the even number Star Trek movies are the good ones. Yeah, that's this joke. Odd, but we all know it's number. not going to happen in six months. They're gonna, we're going to have another microprocessor shortage or something that's going to screw everything up. They're going to have to make the chips even smaller because they got to cut <laughs> some of them in half. Because like, we don't have enough chips. Cut the ones we have in half. So then they <laughs> ran do out that. Of silicon. Yeah. So, but they're going to start digging in the ocean to get all that. Those like I don't know if you they're they're, they're totally sidebarring some crazy <laughs> ass thing that I heard. <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy metals and stuff in the bottom of the ocean, essentially, that they're going to be using for, like, electric cars. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time where we figure out how we can abuse those for computers and video games I, for the metaverse. I'm sure we already are, you know, but... Yeah. So, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? Like, are, are, are you interested in the 4000 series at all as somebody who's the biggest PC gamer out of the three of us here? Yeah, not really, honestly. I, I was really intrigued by how much the uh, 3000 series prices dropped before the announcement though. Like, yeah, that $1,100 3090 TI founders edition was yeah. like blowing my mind. Yep. Especially, I mean, after they released the, the stats, I was like, Oh man, I wonder if those are still available. Cause I think running things natively, they're pretty, they're kind of on par. It's just like all the, the frame rate graphics that they like released or if you're running DLSS three, it's yeah. this much faster. But other than that, I don't think they're really, if you look at the stats, um, as far as like how many cores they have, the memory speed, the memory, the bus like bandwidth and stuff, they look pretty similar to the 3090 TI. They don't yeah. look like a huge step above like the third the 30 series did like when it initially came out compared, compared to, to the, the 20. 20 series yeah it doesn't yeah. seem like a huge jump it does not seem particularly worthwhile especially if they do give us dlss3 on eventually. our current cards eventually um the other thing to keep in mind too is AMD is going to drop their new cards soon. Intel is going to drop their first cards. Um, so, I mean, hopefully NVIDIA will have to innovate more for the next series. Yeah. Because they're going to have more competition. And AMD uh, Fidelity FX, I heard, is really good now. Like, I don't use it, even though you can use it on an NVIDIA card, I guess. But um, that's their, like, response to DLSS, basically. Yeah. Uh, there, there was an interesting quote after this presentation. Jensen Huang uh, was quoted as saying, uh, a 12-inch silicon wafer is a lot more expensive today than it was yesterday, and it's not a little bit more expensive. It's a ton more expensive. Moore's Law is dead, uh, which is the law that every uh, uh, the number of transistors on a chip double roughly every two years. Um, 
And he says, and the ability for Moore's Law to deliver twice the performance at the same cost or at the same performance half the cost every year and a half is over. It's completely over. So the idea that the chip is going to go down a cost over time, unfortunately, is a story in the past. However, uh, not too long after that, in, uh, AMD came out and said uh, that they're dropping their prices. Who knew that that was possible? You could drop your prices. You could you could just you know lower the price and sell more cards. It's interesting. Uh, they they've basically <laughs> cut the price of uh, their their cards down by uh, like several hundred dollars in some of the cases here. Um, I think the the thirty eighty Ti equivalent, which is the RX sixty nine hundred XT, has gone from eight hundred and twenty nine dollars down to six hundred and ninety nine dollars. Or no, excuse me, excuse me. That's the comparison of the price from the 3080 Ti to the RX 6900 XT. So that's a you're you're getting roughly equivalent performance for two hundred and thirty dollars less, or no, a uh, hundred and thirty dollars less than the Nvidia equivalent. And so you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I think AMD's position to really start wrecking some uh, some stuff here. They went from well, and with their come up in the in the regular like just CPU forum, like they they've done a really nice job with all of that. So for them to start stepping into GPUs and hitting it a little harder is probably a good move on their part. And let me say, no, the old MSRP for the sixty nine hundred XT was nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, and it's now six hundred and ninety nine dollars. They took a three hundred dollar price drop. So, yeah, yeah, that that's a good deal. I saw that advertised on I think on Tom's Hardware, and, they're, and they're I probably, went to look. They're already out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, they're they're probably making their own chips too, right? Like they have to be. Yeah. I, for that. I, well, they don't really do the founders edition thing so much, like uh, like uh, Nvidia does, which is another interesting story that uh, EVGA just pieced out of the GPU game because Nvidia sucks at like actually making sense for other companies to make their their GPUs now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, sorry, you keep lots of tan- tangents off of there's story so many that... things tied to this yeah i mean even like well like the u.s government telling nvidia they can't make chips for china it all like it's all tied together like mm-hmm. It, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's so so many bits and pieces that that, that tie into this so. yeah so who knows maybe we'll see dlss3 Let, let's let's put a pin in this and next time that dlss3 comes out for our cards if it does we can be like oh look it only took so long because nobody's buying your 1800 gp 1600 gpu right yeah Mm-hmm. all right uh my next bit of patch notes the psvr2 was announced well like unveiled i guess in the past couple weeks here and uh, they've come out and said it's not compatible with PSVR games, OG PSVR games. Um, part of that is like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of new bits and pieces about the PSVR two that make them incompatible. Uh, most likely, like the eye tracking, uh, the camera, the out- upward cameras on the helmet and everything. Instead of using a singular camera at the face facing you as the user to track, mm-hmm. um, so the motion tracking essentially is like a big aspect of that. So it's kind of understandable. I, at first, I was really upset about this, but at the same time, like I totally get it that like the process for making games for PSVR 2 is so drastically different than PSVR. You can't. It's not just a one to one translation. It totally makes sense. I do think, however that if 
the games companies aren't making the jump to PSVR 2 and bringing their games over, that is a huge mistake on everyone's part. Like, PlayStation, Sony should be pushing them, hey guys, like you should really bring over the games that you can and make them compatible because it's only going to get bigger from here. Because I do think that is the case. Like, you've got the Oculus Quests are in so many random homes now. VR is clearly growing. The metaverse is clearly growing. Like, this is Sony's like dive into that and obviously like they're gonna have to get more consoles out and about which they're they're still working on i mean ps5 still selling qu- quite well but the psvr2 is uh, leaps and bounds ahead of the hardware specs of most of the average vr helmets that are in houses right now so this is going to be like a big jumping point for them so it only makes sense for them to push or at least politely ask the other games developers to, you know, let's nudge these things over to PSVR 2 so that we can expand the library of playable games on this platform. Um, so, yeah, I was I was pretty upset at first, but I totally get it now after reading into it a little more. It totally makes sense. Um, there is a lot of... Um, there, there's a lot that goes into PSVR 2 games as opposed to PSVR 1. So Yeah, I mean, I, I was in the same boat. You know, the one thing that I'm really worried about here. So, like, these third-party games that have come out, things like, you know, Moss was exclusive to PlayStation at some point, but has come out on Oculus and uh, Vive and Index since. Um, A lot of these games are using the new tracking and inside-out tracking on other headsets now at this point. And so I think for a lot of the third-party stuff, you will see those updates come. Like No Man's Sky, I think, is already confirmed to be coming to PlayStation VR 2, and they've already had Index and other other versions of the game out. So I think for a lot of the developers that have been developing for other headsets, it's going to be fairly easy to make a one-to-one translation uh, to actually bring their stuff to PSVR 2. So hopefully that'll be the truth. The thing that I'm worried about is for the first-party stuff. You know, uh... Astrobot Rescue Mission was maybe one of the best PlayStation VR games, and it's a Sony first-party game, and it's built using tracking technology from the PlayStation Move, which came out in 2010. And so, are they going to take the time to develop the you know new tracking and new motion stuff for that game so that you can play that on the latest headset? I think it would really behoove them to do that. The more software there's out for your headset the more likely people are to want to buy it because there's more games to play and to leave all that stuff on the floor would be would be really sad um so you know i think that and that's not it that's not like the only stuff like you said john there's other things like the 4k hdr visuals haptic feedback and stuff like that there's a lot of new bells and whistles on the on the newer headset, so it's not as simple as like, oh, you know, we just drag and drop this other version to the PlayStation right. store. Um, it, it it probably takes some work, but yeah, I even hope. even just resolution in the helmet itself is yeah. like something to take into consideration. Absolutely. So i I hope uh, I hope they figure something out because this is there's there's a lot of good stuff that's on PSVR one that. I hope makes its way so that people can play it on two. But is there? Did they have they said that if there's a breakout box coming off the system again? There's this time no around? breakout box. It is a single cable that plugs into the USB C port on oh, the yeah, front I see it right of here. the PlayStation yep. Five. That's absolutely that's beautiful. nice. 
That's the one of the best things they could have done, honestly. Yeah. Makes setup so that, super simple. There's no camera to plug in and set up. You just plug yeah. in your headset. You just plug it in and go. Charge up your controllers and you go. That's Plus this it, is it probably Go ahead. It should work fine with your PS5 uh, Pro 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 that it's going to come out <laughs> instead of having to make you get a new breakout box that'll work with it, your TV properly and maybe, stuff. Yeah. Probably be easier to hack to use on PC too. And if they're smart, they'll allow oh. that sort of like usage on PC to start bringing PlayStation games over to PC, PSVR yeah. games over to PC too, you know? Possible. That would Possible. be cool. But, but yeah, um, that's yeah. this will probably be my big tech purchase for the next decade. Is I'll, I I think I might jump on PSVR too. I I don't know. Like I'm, I'm really still... curious to hear that price. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried. They, it's probably they got like a... the index price. <laughs> yeah. And the index is what twelve hundred or something, something like that. Cra- over a thousand dollars for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're like I'm not going to tell you how much I spent on that. I don't remember honestly. <laughs> I try not to. Uh, for that oh, thing that man. sits in a box that's on the couch, that's Shh, over there. don't tell anybody that. Just anyway. just let them pretend that you use it all yep. the time to yeah, hang yep. out in the metaverse. I'm always, yep. Talk to all your weeb friends. Sorry, baby. I'm gonna put this headset on and ignore you. You're you're taking care of your virtual babies in the, in the <laughs> yes. baby in your, in life. Your simulator. virtual honeys. My my yeah. alien uh, friends in No Man's Sky. Your little anime babies. In, in weed land. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, anyways, all right. Uh, let's uh, head into the next segment here, Retro Recall. Hello, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. When I'm not out here killing pepperoni and listening to the Midwest Game Nerds, Retro Recall. All right, Brian. Here we are. Let's go, Tyler. Uh, okay. Um, well, this is... Not the typical retro recall of just talking about one game from back in the day. Uh, this is a, a bit of a Monkey Island series retrospective, plus talking about the brand new Return to Monkey Island. But to go way back to the beginning, um, the first game, for those that don't know, for one, um, the Monkey Island games are point and click graphic adventure type games, you know, from uh, LucasArts, which actually used to be Lucasfilm Games, which is now Lucasfilm Games again, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's confusing. <laughs> uh, the series was created by Ron Gilbert, Tim Schafer, and Dave Grossman, which all still make these types of games. Um I'm sure people might recognize the name Tim Schafer since he went on to uh, found Double Fine, which made like Psychonauts and all that fun stuff. Uh, anyways, this is, I feel like it's primarily Ron Gilbert's baby. He's the one that uh, ultimately got the rights to make uh, the new Monkey Island game with Dave Grossman. But the original game came out, it's called The Secret of Monkey Island, in 1990 for all sorts of platforms. Ones I've never even heard of until (laughs) I saw it in the Wikipedia, actually, like in FM Towns. It's some kind of weird PC clone. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, that basically um, was about the main character, Guybrush Threepwood, 
basically he's a wannabe pirate and he goes about these three trials to become a pirate and they're, they're just really goofy games. And, um, yeah, the, the humor really spoke to me as a kid and it still does. I still love it. Uh, from there on, he meets his nemesis, LeChuck and, uh, all sorts of things happen. Anyways. Hijinks ensue. Yes. <laughs> LeChuck is a ghost pirate. And um, at least in that game, he takes other forms later on, like a demonic pirate and in undead pirate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's just dead. Anyways, the uh, second game, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge came out the year after and I would say is probably my favorite one. Definitely the most difficult puzzle wise, but it also had a casual mode and a hard mode. Um, artistically, the first two games, they're like, they're all hand drawn pixel art games. They're, they're beautiful. I think they, they hold up pretty well, especially the second one. Um, but they both had a, a special edition released in 2009 and 2010, respectively. And uh, those, they, they actually redrew the artwork in like a sort of similar style. And you could switch between them on the fly, like the classic artwork and the regular artwork. And they also added a uh, voiceover work to it all which because there was no voice acting in the original ones they were way too old for that and um yeah so that was that was a nice addition they used the same some of the same voice actors that were actually in the third game which is the curse of monkey island in uh 1997 that was the first one that actually had voiceover work right off because CD-ROMs were finally, like, a thing that everybody had. <clears throat> that one has, like, a cool cartoony style to it, cel-shaded kind of look. Um, that's one thing I really appreciate, too, is they they kind of, like, throughout time, they use different art styles for the games, but, like, the character design, I mean, you, you can still tell who's who. Like, yeah. It, like Guybrush Three Prud definitely has like a look that they try to mimic in each each uh, game, and then um, Escape from Monkey Island that came out in two thousand. That was a little rocky, honestly, because that was like when games were transitioning to three D, mm -hmm. and I feel like that is the only game that does not stand up whatsoever artistically. Like when you look at it, it just looks really dated. Um, yeah, there were some good laughs to be had in that. I remember some good jokes about Starbucks and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some other stuff, but for the most part, I would say that is ev almost every fan's least favorite of the series. Not to say it's bad. It's just bad compared to the rest of them. Um, it was, it was more awkward to play too, because it wasn't really a point and click adventure. It, it was more like you had to move around with the keyboard or 
and then click on things because it, it was in 3D. It was well, and it was also I think one of the first ones to come out on consoles, like actually. Yeah. You know, the special editions and whatnot have come out since then, but you know, the mm-hmm. original versions of those came out on a bunch of PC platforms, and so, um, yeah, I, I have a feeling they made some concessions to make it controllable with a with a controller on top of the mouse and keyboard as well, which is what it was used to. So absolutely. That's an, a nice thing about a lot of these games too is except for that one is that they play well on tablets and phones mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there was a big gap in the games. Uh, Tales of monkey Island was the fifth entry and it didn't come out until 2009. And it's actually a uh, collaborative effort between uh, telltale that made like the walking dead games and Sam and the newer Sam and Max games, uh, telltale and LucasArts collaborated on that. And I don't, uh, I know Ron Gilbert was not involved in that. I'm not entirely sure if any of the original creators were, but it does have like the, uh, the same feel. It, it definitely, it is 3d, but not in the sense that uh, Escape from Monkey Island was. Like, it's, it's just graphically in 3D, but it doesn't really play like a 3D game. So it, it felt more true to the, the series. And it came out episodically. I believe there were five episodes. Um, and that one was pretty good, honestly. But um, it still wasn't quite the same. And then finally... After a very long break this year, it was announced, I, th- I believe sometime in the summer or spring, that there, that Return to Monkey Island was in the works for two years. That It was just like a surprise announcement. Um, very well kept secret. From the original and, series creator, Ron Gilbert. Right. Yes, and Dave Grossman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been pretty hyped about that all year. And they didn't really announce the actual release date until I want to say like a few weeks before it came out. That came out um, earlier this week, actually. And I am almost done with it, but not quite. But I got to say it is awesome. And there were a lot of people that were dogging the art style change, but like every game has had a different style and honestly, in motion, it looks fantastic. It's like one of the coolest looking games. And the uh, the music is excellent. It, they got like the original composers for the uh, the theme to like that did the theme to Secret of Monkey Island and subsequent games. And uh, it's just like new takes on that with extra orchestration. And it's awesome. Like there's one part where you, you go into an a uh, setting that's in the original game, the scum bar, and you head back to where the old pirate leaders used to be. And now there's new pirate leaders. I'm not really spoiling much, but uh, the music transition is just awesome and like seamless. Like as soon as you start walking back there, like heavy guitars kind of just join into the music that the melody that's already playing 
and then it seamlessly transitions back when you leave that part of the room. And uh, that's just really cool. I love that kind of dynamic score type thing. Um, yeah, as far as the story goes, it the the funny thing is this in the secret of Monkey Island, you never find the secret, and you never do in any of the other games. But in this <laughs> game, you're actually looking for the secret this time. Okay, and. Uh, well, I don't know how that turns out, but I'm eager to find out what the secret is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned doing this retrospective and like I have the Monkey Island games there have always been well revered and I think are considered one of the pinnacles of point and click adventure video games, you know, like Absolutely. The yeah. the that's that was the heyday of like Sierra and and LucasArts uh, making, you know, these incredible point-and-click adventures. And really the only one that I played uh, and finished is Day of the Tentacle. Uh, we had that one on PC back in the day, and I enjoyed it very much. But for some reason, I never really bit into the Monkey Island uh, series in that way. And, you know, I picked up the, the bundle on Steam because they, they were selling, you know, four of the five pre-existing games uh mm -hmm. for not that much money it was like 20 25 bucks something like that and um i've been trying to play the special edition of of the secret of monkey island and i just cannot get into it it's it's a weird pacing thing for me and i think the thing is i mostly enjoy a lot of the puzzly parts of these games and it doesn't feel like this game is particularly front-loaded with that stuff and I don't know how much Day of the Tentacle was either, but that's what I remember from Day of the Tentacle. Um, so I'm kind of bummed out. The other thing is, is that I know that there's been a lot of like development and quality of life changes for adventure games in the recent years, including things like holding down a key to see everything on the screen that you could interact with potentially. And, um, you know, things of that nature being able to walk faster because you know where you need to go you just got to get through the screens or that kind of thing just you know mm -hmm. clicking clicking onto the next screen immediately instead of watching the character walk through the screen that kind of thing um i think a lot of that is something that would interest me so do you think that return to monkey island would be a good inter like entering point for somebody who maybe thought they enjoyed adventure point and click adventure games but finds them a little bit dated now. Yeah, absolutely. Like like you said, there's definitely been a lot of quality of life improvements, especially with this game. They really went out of their way. For example, like they have a hint system that's just in the game, so you don't have to go on the web if you get stuck. Mm, nice. And it doesn't give away too much. Like it, you basically, it asks you a couple questions about where you're at and what your problem is, and then it'll give you hints. Okay. Um, the funny thing about that is I remember back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> um, playing some of the older adventure games, like their originals, Maniac Mansion and Zack McCracken, and, uh, mm -hmm. and those came out in the 80s. So <clears throat> um, you didn't have the internet to look up. Like when you got stuck, you had to rely on your friends to try to help you or... Uh, you could call a hint hotline, yeah. <laughs> which I believe I did once for Monkey Island 2 because I was just hopelessly stuck. And um, 
yeah, but we've definitely come a long way in that regard. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the uh, the walking thing, that is very excruciating in Secret of Monkey Island, especially. Yeah. Like, you walk so slow, I feel. <laughs> and I, I feel like probably 30 minutes of my attempt to replay through that was just me walking, like, retreading areas. Yeah. And that that's a bit frustrating. The new one, you can, like, double click and you'll just, like run to the next scene pretty okay. much nice or the end of the scene and um it also is forgiving like when you take certain journeys the next time you do it it just skips all the in-between shit and just takes you from point a to point b nice um and the the interface is great like going back and playing the special edition for secret of monkey island i feel like the interface is worse than the original interface mm. Um, it's very clunky. You have to like use the mouse wheel to cycle through the verbs for interacting with things and stuff. And it's just, it's so clunky that I had to switch to classic mode sometimes in order to get something done because it's like slightly time sensitive. Like you got to click on something within a certain amount of time or you're going to miss your opportunity kind of thing. And it's too hard to do with the newer interface. I feel, um, but Return to Monkey Island, they they basically made it to where it's a context-sensitive interface. So when you hover over something, it'll give you the appropriate options. Verbs that you can yeah, act and on it with. It's, uh, it's very nice, and it looks great. And yeah, and, and also it, it gives you, with the newer interface like that, it gives you the whole screen to look at, where the original games, like, you had the interface taking up probably a quarter of the screen yeah a full like a full is, lower third actually of, yeah. Yeah, of the verbs <laughs> and everything yeah no i i uh i might give it a go i might pick up the newer one and give that a shot because i i just feel like i could enjoy this a lot and eventually i might be able to go back because i get invested mm-hmm. to the characters and things like that but uh you there, also mentioned that there's like a summary of the yeah. previous games in this new one, right? And like a Yeah, that's form. what I was gonna say. Okay. There's like a scrapbook that's in the menu and basically you just look through at all the pieces and uh Guybrush will like talk to you about nice. what it means in the yeah. context of his adventures and stuff. And uh it does a good job summing up at least the first couple games and it kinda glosses over the other ones, but um this game is supposed to have taken place directly after Monkey Island 2. Okay. Yeah, I which remember... Which is the last one he was involved in, yeah. or Ron Gilbert was involved in. There was a quote about him saying, like, a long time ago, he was like, if I ever made a monkey, another Monkey Island game, I would set it after 2 and forget the other ones. But it sounds like he kind of, like, walked that back by mm-hmm. this scrapbook thing kind of acknowledges that at least they happened, even if it's not really, like, focusing on the fact that they did so much so that's it 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 actually yeah it it picks up directly where monkey island 2 ended and the ending for that game is one of the weirdest endings (laughs) i've ever seen in the game but it's kind of brilliant it it, but after that it's it was just funny because it just leaves you wondering because curse of monkey island kind of picks up in a different spot and doesn't really mention what happened at the end or maybe it does it's been a long time since i played that one but i hope to get to it um, but, uh, I had something else to say about that, but I don't remember it now. Something about the second one. Oh, well, yeah. Good times. 
Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying this new one. John, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, it surprises me that there's some backlash over the art style because it's very, like, guacamole, like, uh, what's his name? Um, Genji, Genji Tarkov, Tartakovsky, that guy. It's, mm. it's very much like that Samurai Jack kind of style mm. and, like, guacamole combined. Like, I think it's it's really cool looking. The website for the game is actually pretty awesome, too. Like, it it plays like a point and click. You can talk to one of the characters using prompts at the bottom of the screen and everything. I've been, like, flicking through it as I'm ta- as you guys are talking, like... Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to think like anybody would have any issues with the art style. Cause it's, it's definitely like feels like modern, like cell shaded sort of cartoony gaming, like sort of animation. That's pretty cool to me, but well, and I feel like even the people that complained about this stuff probably didn't like the special editions that came out either. You know, like, I, <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's probably the traditional diehards that are like, this should be made out of pixels only and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think I think this new one looks really cool. It kind of reminds me of like a paper craft, almost like a. It looks like it's made out of like, uh, like a construction paper kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's, I, it's very cool. I think it looks cool. So, any final thoughts? That's that's enough. I mean, I, there's so many other things I could say. I'm sure, but uh, well, maybe if I pick it up, or you know, towards the end of the year, if it ends up on your list or something like that, I'm sure we'll have more time to talk about uh, Return to Monkey Island. But yeah, okay, I think it's time for what you've been playing. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation? Or on your Nintendo Switch, what you've been playing? There you go. Did you hear that? Some of it, no. like, the, like the first like half second, and then it well, it's going to be really funny when you hear it on the final product. I think <laughs> <laughs> that was the "What You've Been Playing" theme to the uh, to the tune of "Desperately Wanting" by Better Than Ezra, but uh, <laughs> I've been playing a game called Immortality. Uh, it's the latest game from Sam Barlow and his uh, his new publishing outfit, Half Mermaid Productions. Uh, you may have heard of Sam's name from uh, when her story came out, which is his indie debut, um, which is a game that was uh, basically telling the story of this person through hundreds of clips of like a piece, police interview or interrogation video. Uh, where you kind of piece together what happened to this person or the story. Um, you use like a keyword search interface to pull up short clips of it, and eventually you can kind of put everything together as you learn the context of these different clips. But um, he made a similar game called Telling Lies, uh, which came out a few years afterwards. Uh, it features several kind of uh, uh, bigger Hollywood actors, including... Um, I believe Angela Serafian of Westworld fame, uh, Carrie Bichet of Halt and Catch Fire uh, fame, and uh, a few other people. Let's see. I think uh, Logan Marshall Green is one of the main people, and Alexandra Ship. Um, once again, similar like you're searching keywords in a database, uh, but Immortality is the story of this actress who's fallen out of the limelight Uh, And nobody really knows what happened to her after three of her movies were in production and then never finally released. And the whole conceit of the game is that Half Mermaid Productions has received troves of 
filmed footage from the productions of these movies uh, and you're using what's similar to a Moviola interface to look through these clips of the movie where you can kind of scrub back and forth. Uh, but the other mechanic is you can press a button at any time in those videos to pause and then you hover a cursor over an actor or an object or an action even and hit the button and it will take you to a clip that shares uh, either the actor or the object or the action or something like that. So you can zoom in on like uh, there's an apple in the frame. You hit the button on the apple, you go to another clip that has an apple in it. And it could be from a completely different movie, it might be in a completely different time frame, but it's kind of like that's the connective tissue that you weave through this game. You're not searching for search terms, you're kind of searching for visual objects and representations. You can click on the different actors, and if they've been in the different movies, it might take you to a new movie. Or um, if you, uh, you can click on like two people kissing and it'll take you to another kiss in a different movie, that kind of thing. So you're basically trying to piece together what happened to this actress uh, and, and kind of why the movies that she was working on never came out. Uh, Marissa Marcel is the name of the fictional actress, but... Um, this movie's really interesting. I never played her story. I didn't play Telling Lies, but I remember hearing about them because of how unique the gameplay was. And I should note, this game is on Game Pass for people who have Game Pass. It's also available on PC and Xbox if you don't have Game Pass. Um, but the really incredible thing is here, there's many hours of full motion video that were filmed for this. There's almost three complete movies that were filmed for this particular game. Like you can get hundreds of scenes that were filmed specifically for this game and you can navigate through all of them to find the story of what's going on here. And I find the production value incredible. Like one of the movies is filmed in 68. It's kind of like a sexploitation religious thriller movie that would be filmed in like Italy at the time kind of thing and um uh it it looks like it is like it looks like it was shot on actual film and it may have been I don't know it's kind of incredible but then there's another movie that takes place uh a couple of years later uh in uh New York and is filmed uh a little bit differently like a detective noir kind of thriller and then finally like 30 years afterwards there's a there's a a movie um, that's filmed kind of in much more of like a digital video uh, era, more more contemporary kind of style, and the styles that the way that the style changes between the three is incredible. The acting in the games is pretty good, uh, and or in the in the different movies is, is is good, and like you know, there's the people that are trying to ham it up a little bit too much, and you can kind of get that like oh you know they're putting on a bad performance because they're in a movie that like you know they're they're this young actor in a movie that they think is their big shot or something like that there's a lot of really interesting intricacies like that but i think you know i think it's really incredible that there's all of this full motion video in this game and that you know i think i played the game for probably seven to nine hours and i got to the final credits and there's a lot more that I could go and explore and maybe it would color in. Like, I don't necessarily know exactly the entire story of all three of the movies. I have bits and pieces that I've been able to imply, but I think you could get most of all of the movies in this thing. And there's also 
clips that are from like behind the scenes or cast parties or they have um talk show appearances from some of the actors and directors and things like that that are meant to give you context as well but um it's it's a very interesting kind of game i think the thing is there's there's something that i'm reluctant to talk about because the experience of discovering it is maybe the whole reason for making games like this uh there's just eventually something that you might stumble upon or like weird features to the to the clips that you're watching that cause you to try to maybe rewind or fast forward or look at it in a different speed that kind of things and eventually this is it's like a detective story kind of thing like where you're you know like you said for the for her story you're going over like police interrogation video and Mm -hmm. so you're picking up like social cues or like body language or like other things that you don't really think of as typical mechanics in a video game, so to speak, yeah, that cause you to double take or you're like, oh, I, that thing I just noticed she did this thing with her face or whatever, and like you're yeah. like, what does that mean? Like, you you start to notice like, oh, there's more of a relationship between these two actors than what's just on screen, or why is this person hanging out with the director so much, and things like that, and you start to kind of piece together more and more about the different relationships between these people that lead you to kind of view stuff that you've already seen in a different light, which I think is really incredible. But there's also just a very special, like, there. I saw a tweet from somebody that was like. I did not think it was possible, but this game literally made me shoot up from my my seat in, like, fucking horror of this thing that I just witnessed, or it just scared the shit out of me in this brief moment. Like, like there could be a jump scare kind of hidden in this game for some people when you kind of are like, what the fuck is this? And as soon as you find that moment it changes the game again. It's just like this very different experience where you're like, I don't even know what I've been doing for the past five hours. But once you discover this kind of mechanic-ish thing, it almost behooves you to go back through everything that you've already seen and experience it in a different light. As as somebody who obsesses over the Westworld subreddit (laughs) and, and, uh, and just that sort of, I mean, I'm doing it to Breaking Bad now, even like with my Breaking Bad rewatch, like going through watching episodes that I've already seen multiple times, tying it to things I've seen in Breaking Bad or in Better Call Saul, um, making those connections, that connective tissue between different, different things. Uh, you know, like you're saying this, this actress is in like three different movies and tying together like the, the interwoven pieces of thread mm-hmm. that, that make it her. The, I'm trying to like, I don't know how to like articulate the words like about this is it's I'm trying, cause I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to picture like what this game looks like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is like other than like you describing movies that are like, I can click on different parts of the movie, like clip yeah. or whatever. Like it's very, this is very much seems like something I need to play to understand it. And, uh, I think you should like, it's, it's something you could play, uh, on, uh, I, I just set up, uh, 
Xbox Game Pass, Xbox Cloud Gaming on my deck. And Immortality is the kind of game that would play just fine on the Steam Deck streams. Right, because you're not relying on, like, Twitch, like, um... Yeah. Yeah, no no Twitch reflexes. Absolutely. And so it's the kind of game that I think that would work pretty well for. I mean, the the only thing is, like, the image quality is kind of poor over the streaming, and I feel like the moviness of it all might be a little bit lost on you, but... Uh, because it can, it can, the, the, it can get kind of bit rate, you know, kind of bit crushed a little bit, but, what's um, the, um, what's the, the, the play length, uh, the, how long to beat for immortality? Uh, like I put maybe eight hours into it. I think tops I, I, and I was pretty much done with it after like three sittings. Cause I just happened to have a couple of days, uh, how long to beat says six hours for the story, uh, nine hours for main plus extras, fifteen out, sixteen hours for completionist. So it's it's a pretty quick set. It's not uh, something that you're gonna sink forty hours into. I think it's only like a twenty twenty five dollar release, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, if you're buying it, but it is on Game Pass. I think it's worth checking out, especially. I've heard some people be kind of like, oh, you know, her story and telling lies are pretty similar and immortality just kind of does it again. But like for me, the fact that like he made three movies like scripted, filmed, blocked, acted out three movies for this game, I think is really incredible. I think it's a very massive massive shift in in the production value of the game itself because like telling lies looks looks fine there's you know i you can tell that like they probably wrote out scripts for these characters and then they sat down for a day or two with each of those big name actors and filmed literally everything and then we're just like sweet and then they put it in the game and sent it off that kind of thing but this was like they literally filmed these three movies and then they chopped them up and put them into this game for you to kind of experience throughout this kind of makes me want to go back and look into that Elijah Wood game that he was working on mm. um, with Ubisoft for a minute. I can't remember what that was, like tran- trans- Transcendence or something? Is it, Yes. Was that what it was? Transference. I can't remember. Transference. But I, I remember it being like his his way of like blending film and video games into like one format or something along those lines. Like, Yeah. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if he was somewhat uh, uh, aware of Sam Barlow's work because you know her her story got it, it was big it kind of broke out as a as an indie hit and um, and you know I think people uh, people very much kind of realized that Sam Barlow was doing different like the the name Sam Barlow in like game Twitter means something to a lot of people because of her story and. Uh, yeah immortality hit kind of big because of that uh and the support from xbox i think is getting it in front of more people like i i'm i'm glad that it came out day and date i i certainly got to play it uh i believe there is a netflix version coming through their like game service so you'll be able to play it on your ipad and your android tablet and phone and stuff like that and i think it would play really well in that way too um so if and when that does hit i think it's on its way it's not out yet but uh I think it's worth checking out, and um, you know, I, I kind of, it's a game where I wish that you guys had played it because doing a spoilery talk about it would be interesting. I think people 
The interesting thing about this game is that a lot of people could have very different experiences with it. You might sit mm. down and play it for five hours and be like, what the fuck am I doing? And then completely bounce off of it. But you could also figure out the thing that I found about five hours in. You could figure it out in like an hour and be like, oh, okay. And then you could get to the end of the game super fast. Like it, It's just this, depending on what you're queuing into and what you're observing about the scenes and how you're kind of digesting what's happening uh i think it's just a very subjective experience so so interestingly enough uh and i don't know if it's just my computer listening to me but if you actually click on the game in game pass it gives you the how long to beat right at the top oh no yeah that's they a integrated new feature that into that's game cool pass as shit now. like that yeah. that's incredible it says five hours for the main story for this is this uh do you know is it pc game pass only or is it no uh, it's on too? i played it on console game pass actually so it's on both because i'm like i'm like because I've been weighing, I keep You're seeing. Like, I the, should buy a Series S for two hundred and fifty dollars on. I loot. keep seeing them pop up on sale, and I'm like, should I just get one to have, like, to throw on the TV downstairs? I've considered that too. Because to Megan gets sad when I'm room. upstairs in my office by myself playing on my PC, which literally is like one of the only reasons I don't use my computers because it's up here instead of down there. I'm the same way, and I can tell you, I would not have played Immortality if I did not have an Xbox. I, I honestly don't think that it's it's for some reason very hard. For for me to come and sit down here and use this computer you know or i suppose i could just play it on my ipad or i could play it on my phone too right like it's i mean if so. you did the cloud game yeah if you've got game pass ultimate you can do the cloud the cloud streaming version apparently i've been paying for game pass ultimate for like a year like month to month and had no fucking clue so you're the bread and butter of game pass yeah i am the whale yeah what are you gonna say brian oh so. I was just going to say, I feel like this game would be more enjoyable in a living room setting anyways, because it's so video heavy. And I think yeah. it's something that like you could like, there were a couple times I was playing it and Nicole sat down and was like, what the fuck are you playing? And then I explained it to her. And she's like, oh, and then like, I'd be yeah, sitting like, there playing and she'd be on her phone on the couch and she'd like look up and every once in a while the she'd video keep game, looking up. It's the video game version of that podcast, Mitch, Missing Richard Simmons, like where you're just trying to figure out like what the hell happened yeah. to this person and like you you got to go through and like watch all these video clips and whatever. And I'm sure like I haven't listened to that podcast, but that's what it sounds like to me. Like that's that's what I equated it to uh, when you were describing it. it was like, oh, it sounds like that podcast where they were trying to find what the hell happened to Richard Simmons. I think I think John, you and Megan and I think Brian, you and Erica would enjoy playing this game together if you were like. Let's sit down and check this thing out. And you might bounce mm. off of it. The other thing is, there's nudity, there's sex, there's oh, like no. weirdly like. So maybe I should play it on the computer upstairs. <laughs> there's some. There's some like. Uh, there's there's some very adult themes in the game in terms of like you know some of the scenes in the movies involve sexual assault and things like that. So mm. if that's not something that you or your partner or whoever want to experience it's it's understandable and you should be aware i think the game gives a disclaimer at the top for anybody who wouldn't want to to do that but uh but it i i think it's worth checking out especially if you haven't played a sam barlow game before this is probably you know the the current most uh uh extreme example of sam barlow's work and and i think uh he deserves some some uh you know, attention for, for the way that these games are made. Cause they're very different. It's a very different type of game. Some people might not even feel like it's a game, but I, I think it's great. I think it's very interesting 
and uh, and I'm glad that Game Pass has surfaced it for more people than than maybe would have seen it before. So yeah. But that sounds it. good, man. That's all I got. Wow. If you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month. Help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, Alan K, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to joining the Patreon is you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side quests are where we veer off outside of the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. That's all for this time. We will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.